dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I am joined today by Abdullah Abdullah and Alex Ibaseta to preview Chelsea's semi-final showdown with Barcelona. First leg taking place on Saturday at 12.30 at Stamford Bridge in front of what looks set to be a massive crowd. Over 20,000 tickets already sold before the return leg is at Camp Nou on Thursday. Abdullah, I will come to you first. I think everyone is under no illusions about what a massive game this is and also what a tough task this is going to be for Chelsea. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, like, I think as soon as the draw was made a couple of uh, a couple of months ago in, in terms of the, the pathway to the final and you looked at this side of the leg and you go and say, two tough games and, and obviously Chelsea games was the first one. Um, but this one is just, I mean... I mean, you can't even sugarcoat it. It's just, it's Barcelona. It's a two-legged semi-final and a knockout round. It's Barcelona. So I really don't know what else there is to say. It's just, it's just the toughest game you could have, you could have, you could have hoped for. And I mean, ideally, whoever wins this game should, should be able to go and win the Champions League because then you've probably played the hardest game of the season. So that's, that's kind of my initial take on it. Yeah. I mean, listen. I'm finding it hard not to feel super negative about this game, but <laughs> Chelsea as a club have history against, you know, Barcelona teams who they were never expected to be in two-legged matches. So we can always hope we haven't used up all our, our miracle dust in the game against Lyon. Um, Alex, what's the sense from Barcelona fans around this game? Because... I do unfortunately count Barcelona fans as some of my closest friends. I guess you might fall into that category. <laughs> you do all seem to have a tendency to ignore that you are clearly much better than almost everyone else. Hmm. Um, yeah, see, see, we're, we're quite, um, what's the word? Um, Pessimistic. I have it in Spanish. Yes. <laughs> no, but I think I think this season especially, I think every Barcelona fan has a reason to be somewhat pessimistic because of the way we started the season. Um, the way the start of the season was by no means amazing, and you know, lost against Bayern Munich stage, and you, the player said it as well. You have even when they're up, you know, for for nil. I think it was one of the the games in the group stage that just went completely bad. Um, the other team had the opportunity to score two, three goals, and that's what the players focus on. Even though you're winning four nil, you know, the at the end of the day, you're not playing the way you want to, and I think a lot of people have focused on that rather than results. Um, and it sounds bad to say, but, you know, Barcelona get results all the time. They're going to get the result no matter what. So now you kind of need to focus on the way they play. I think the players have been really conscious of that. And right now they're at the stage where they've corrected everything that went bad at the start of the season, essentially. And I think a lot of the players have been more comfortable in their positions with a few injuries in and out. I think players like Salma Paraiuelo, Jesse, you got that down. <laughs> I think players like Salma. We'll say Salma for the for the sake of going faster. Yeah, in the please, pod. please. Um, <laughs> I think Salma, Jason. You know these players that have come in this season and needed time to settle down because they've come from teams that are just much below the level of of Barcelona. I think they've finally settled into the team and they've been looking quite confident. Um, like Danabon Madi, I mean, where do you even start to explain the way she's playing? It's just stupid. Um, obviously having CGH back on the wing has made a big difference. And CGH and Danabon Madi just destroyed um the last 
Atletico Madrid just absolutely destroyed them. So I think at this moment in time, I think Barcelona are the best team right now in the Champions League. Um, but that's not to say that they've been like that for the entire season. I think people need to to realize that Barcelona did have a bad season, despite looking at you know they've won every single league game. They they did have a really start a rough start to the season, and I think that had to do with Alexis' injury of of kind of fitting everyone in with new players as well. But um, we'll see what happens. But I think Barcelona should be decently confident. Just and and I have to say as well with the form that Chelsea have been in, it's not been the most confident um, Chelsea team that you've seen in the last few years. No, I definitely think it, it, it's in kind of a weird position from a, a Chelsea perspective, whereby actually, you know, if we'd had Barcelona in the semi-final in the year we played them in the final, I'd probably have felt more confident in terms of the, the players who were available for Chelsea at the time, kind of the quality performances that we'd seen. I do think part of the reason it's hard to feel positive about this game is that nothing, not nothing, but, you know, Chelsea, I think, have relied a lot more this season on their experience uh, in terms of getting results across the line to be in the position that they, they are now in, as opposed to putting in amazing performances that being said, I still think there are things that have improved. You know, I felt like in the Champions League group stage, at least defensively, um, there was a massive improvement compared to the previous season, and that's obviously what is what allowed Chelsea to tough. Uh, that is what allowed Chelsea to top what was a tough group. Um, ditto for the first the first leg against Lyon. I think that was a level of performance which was you know, clinical without being swashbuckling. And it's hard in some ways because when you're used to seeing a team who has been very, very dominant in the way that Chelsea has, at least domestically, to to maybe see how that changes over time. But Emma Hayes said this after the, the Villa game that, you know, part of that isn't necessarily even that Chelsea's level's changing domestically, but that the other teams around them are getting better. So it's always going to be harder than at that point to to push up to the level and, you know, it's the classic thing of, oh, what would a Chelsea look like in Liga F? I I don't know. I don't think they'd be as dominant as Barcelona, but, um, you know, they're, they're different things to to compare. Um, all right, let's take a quick ad break here and then we will we will start by looking at Barcelona's season so far. So let's let's start with with the kind of Liga F because Alex, this is always the real headline stuff with Barcelona that just gets... Um, it's very infographicable, is what I'll say. And I know you mm. are someone who works with infographics. Um, but 25 matches played, 25 won, 105 goals scored, five against. How much do you how much do you take away from Barcelona's dominance in Liga F? Because there's two ways of looking at it, right? There's kind of the side that says no, Barcelona are like legit, legit, and they would do this in any league. And then there's another side which says Liga F's rubbish. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think you look at, if you start with Liga F, I think, you know, you, you can make the same, the same argument for Chelsea. You know, three consecutive WSL titles. What does that say about the WSL? The same team has won it three consecutive years. Yeah, not in the same dominance as Barcelona, but the same team has won it three consecutive years. Um, you know, the top three, the top two are always going to be the same. It's always been Chelsea, City, Arsenal. Man United have come in and has dominated that top three, but essentially that's been on for years. 
So the same, the the argument of dominance in the league, it's such a watered down one because it happens in every single league. Leon in the French league, Leon in the Champions League, especially in in women's football, we we have that pattern of a dominant team just because the resources aren't there for other teams. You know, Liga F, Atletico Madrid won three consecutive league titles not too long ago. And now they can't even make the Champions League. So I think in terms of dominance and Barcelona, it's just an, it's a cycle in women's football because of the the less resources that other teams have. And you kind of see that. So I don't think that's a very Barcelona-specific thing. And I, I think it's quite unfair to, to kind of put Barcelona in that little box of your league is shit because you're dominating it. It's like, no. Like every literally every other team, Bayern Wolfsburg, Chelsea Arsenal, Man City, Leon PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. It's just the standard of everything. And you know, each of them have cycles. So that put aside, Liga Efe, we're not even gonna get into the, the Spanish Federation because that's just gonna be a whole nother podcast. But when you look at the standard of professionalism in the league from top to bottom. That's where Liga it starts going wrong. And you don't have that in the WSL. You know, you have in the WSL from top to bottom, the money changes. But I think the standard of professionalism has the FA gives a certain, a higher standard of professionalism in the WSL than the Spanish Federation. So, you know, the the, the players that play for the, the smaller teams, their level of professionalism will probably be at the level of like the national league in the in England, for example, and we're doing a direct like we're going to compare England and Spain just to have that. But the level of professionalism in Liga FA is just non-existent, and it's up to individual clubs to put that up. And but you know, again, going back to the Spanish Federation, that the fifteen they say that they have a better standard of professionalism at Barcelona than they do in the Spanish national team. So. What does that say about Barcelona is that their levels, their standard is much higher than A, the national team, and B, that would be of the rest of the clubs. So obviously, we're going back to the argument of you invest the money, you get the better team. And that's what's happening right now in Liga FA. So Barcelona's dominance has to do with, again, resources and one football that has been there, that bias in every other league in literally the entire world, basically. Um, but when you look at the football, when you look at the football now, after seeing all the off the pitch stuff, they're dominating in the Champions League. You know, they're they're about to reach their third consecutive Champions League final against you know the top teams against Leon, against Chelsea, against Wolfsburg. You know, they've proven themselves not only in their own league, but outside of it as well. And then you compare it to Chelsea, three consecutive WSL titles went out in the group stage last year. So you have, you know, Barcelona have proven themselves to be consistent. Yes, absolutely annihilating the league, but their level is much higher. If they're going to keep that level in the the Champions League against the best teams in the world, they're obviously going to be much better in a league that has much less professionalism. So it's just like, you you look at it that way and it, if they weren't performing in the Champions League, then you can easily make the argument that the league is shit. But the best in the league is performing the best in the entire continent. So I think that that argument can get watered down quite easily, and especially if you only focus on on results. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my shortened argument for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it is interesting. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of something that's always fascinated me around this because the logical thing, I think, when you look at the quality of Lee Efe in terms of what Alex has said is that you would expect, I think, that teams in more competitive leagues like the WSL to to do better in the Champions League because they play more harder games. And then especially a team like Chelsea, who's comes out on top in those harder games more often than not. But so we've not really seen that actually happen, as Alex says. I think it's more than fair enough to say that over the past three years, Barcelona have, have more than justified in their performances as being kind of clearly the best team in the Champions League, even if they've only won it so far once in that time. Why do you think... What do you think it is about Barcelona that enables them to perform at such a high level even if they're not necessarily facing the kind of domestic competition that you might find in the WSL or even like in the Frauen Bundesliga for example? It's a super interesting question because if we even take it back to what Alex was saying about the French League right Leon the same thing a few years ago they were the ones consistently dominating the French League and they were the one winning the Champions League pretty much every season, right? The exception of one or two here and there. Five in a row, eight altogether. Like, it's unreal. And you kind of look at the trend. It's like, it's it's weird how countries and teams that dominate their leagues end up being the best in the Champions League. And even now, in the last two years, you could arguably say that, okay, take out this season, last season, again, Leon Barcelona, two of the best teams in the in the, in the Champions League. Leon went and won it. And, and, you know, you, you look back and you look at the pedigree and you look, I, I think... I think what it's done is that I think I think there's two reasons. I think one is the the stru- the structure and the inst the 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 hierarchy of the club itself. I think they, I think there's a clear vision at the back in terms of what they want to do and how they want to set up their club. Um, and I think putting that vision through and and making sure that okay. You know, for Barcelona, we know the way they want to play football. It's it's that inherent Barcelona way, whether it's the men's team, the academy, the women's team. And I think that there is a clear direction all the way through and they recruit for that and they play that way. And I think being able to um, attract a level of talent with the clear direction and vision, I think really helps because then whoever they, they end up getting in, they know that, okay, you're going to play a certain way. We know how to play. And that style seems to have worked so far in women's football, because even when Leon were playing, if I take it back there, they weren't like a super possession dominant team. Like they had a lot of possession, but they weren't like a Barcelona type super possession dominant team where they had a way of playing. It was just their players were just better in general, right? Whether they were counterattacking or, or playing with possession or playing through transition or whatever. Barcelona's team is just, they have a set way. And I feel like that vision and that clear vision that, that's that's kind of been set in Barcelona, I think because then they're able to just kind of go in the league, play they want to play and just, it's like almost like the Guardiola way of, right? Practice plan A until plan A is basically you only need plan A. I think Barcelona is so good at that and, the, and everything supports that. And I think it's just translated really well into the Champions League and other teams have not been able to counteract counteract that yet, right? Um and you know, and I and I think they've just they've just they've just kind of grown. I mean, you look back at 2019, they were in and around the quarter semifinals, they got to a final, they lost 4-1, and 
I think they've just taken steps into into it to get better. And I think I think they've been, and I, I don't think I'm not going to say. I mean, there's an element of luck in everybody's success. I mean, it's at some degree, right? But I think the fact that they were able to to, to bring in a, a generation of players that have all played together for the most part, but they're all unbelievably amazing. You look at Alexia, you look at Aitana, you look at uh, Patri, you look at Mapileon, you bring all these players together and you kind of realize, okay, wow, they've, they've actually built a, a, an amazing core of players that not just, not just amazing on their own, but I feel like they have, they complement each other and they have just grown together and then they've, they've done well, Barcelona, in just kind of supplementing them with the odd player like, like a JC coming in and uh, an AMC or, you know, an Ingrid Engine or whoever, right? They got Lucy Bronze now, Kira Walsh. They've been able to supplement the core with that. And I feel like with the core so good, it, whether you're playing in a dominant league or whether you're playing in the Champions League, that helps you through. So I feel like everything from a structural point of view, back end from as an organization is so aligned that I feel like that is probably one of the main reasons why they've just been able to to be so good and, and, and make that transition from, from league to Champions League over the last three to four years a lot smoother and a lot quicker. Because if we're going 2019... They lost the final, but they got to a final, and they were they were they were they were behind. And in like four or five years, they've really come across, and and I feel like that consistency has done 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 wonders for them. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's also an interesting point there about stylistic uh, adjustment, and and maybe how you know for all the say English teams play against e- you know each other, and it might be at a higher level that stylistically they don't really match up anywhere near to to the way Barcelona play I guess the closest would be maybe to to look at Man City but um, I I still say they they feel quite different to Barcelona Um, in terms Alex of of where Barcelona have maybe struggled at points this season I feel like there are a handful of examples obviously you've got the two losses to German teams the the 3-1 to Bayern Munich this season in the group stage the second leg lost to Wolfsburg, which has to be asterisk because Barcelona was so far ahead already. I don't really know how much you could take from that. And then the other two games that I guess have stood out for me this season, which weren't ones Barcelona lost, but were the game against Levante and the game against Sociedad earlier in the season. If we're looking at those kind of maybe four, and I, I want to talk about the Leon final separately in a minute as well. What What things would stand out for you there in terms of why did Barcelona struggle more in those games? Uh, why did they they lose in specifically? I guess the Bayern one uh, compared to in in the other matches they played. It's I think they all have the same. It's the counter attack, isn't it? It's attacking the space that Barcelona players leave behind. Um, Levante obviously have you know one of the the best coaches in in Liga FA essentially. Um, the Real Sociedad right now are climbing their way up the Liga FA table. You know they're not they they're a very tactical team um when you look at the way they play and the players that they have and when you look at the two German losses I think Bayern Munich this season it was attacking the flank bonds to second post Lucy Bronze you know about it is I have no fucking idea what the hell they were doing for for those goals in the, in the back post <laughs> um when you look at the Wolfsburg uh matches last season you know that Joe Ward that Joe Ward goal got the ball back in the midfield, took a first step, took touches up, had a shit ton of space in front of her because everyone was out of position, took a shot, took a really good play shot. Um, I think all of them, you know, Real Sociedad, I think had, I think they were very unlucky. Um, 
I think they easily could have could have buried quite a few goals that they had. Um, they just obviously don't have the, the standard striker that's going to, you know, they don't have a Sam Kerr that's going to bury a goal at the first chance of sight. And first chance of sight, that, that made no sense. But you know what I mean. Um, you know, she gets, Sam Kerr gets one opportunity, as we saw against England, and she's going to bury it. And that's going to be the only goal of the game. And that's going to be the only chance of the game. But, you know, she has 100%, uh, you know, probability of making those goals. Whereas a team like Real Sociedad don't. So they had about three clear opportunities on a counter-attack. Um, a 1v1 versus Sandra Baños, and she absolutely bottled at their striker. But I think all of them have that counter-attack um, as a common denominator. And it, and it's and that's not to do with this particular Barca team. It's the Barca-style play. Um, you see it, Man, uh, Pep Guardiola's Man City as well, you know, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona. It's the that style play brings that. Because your players are always going to be out of position, especially when you look at and when you focus on this Barcelona side. Rolfo is a winger 80% of the match. She is not a defender. Um, she will be in a position of a winger. Uh, Lucy Bronze, that's not even get started with Lucy Bronze. She will go forward and she will not have the speed to come back. So that right side is always going to have so much space because Lucy Bronze does not track back. Um Jesse and I can have this conversation forever and ever. <laughs> Lucy Bronze is not trapped back. <laughs> and that space is always there. Um, but then, you know, you have the argument. Then you have Aitana and Patri and whoever, Kira Walsh, whoever's in that, in the midfield is always going to fill in that position. So you kind of feel confident about that. Or you have Mappi Dennis stepping out to, to each side and the midfield dropping back as a centre-back. But I think the counter-attack is always going to be quite prominent because of how out of position Barcelona are when they're attacking and moving the ball forward. I mean, you look at Mappi, um, her goal in Camp Nou against Roma, that position that she was in to take that shot, she had no business being there as a centre-back. Um, that's a number eight, that's a number 10 position. A centre-back had no, she had no right to be there at any possible point of the game. <laughs> but there she was as a Barcelona centre-back and she was taking a shot on goal and an absolute banger. But then you go again, you know, you lose the ball there. If that ball would have been lost in the... The trajectory to Mappi, your center back would have been caught up almost in the opposition box. You a striker would have taken that ball forward and would have had the entire space for her to go. Um, so I think that's the the kind of key thing, and that's the weakness essentially. And again, it's it's not necessarily weakness, it's just the it's the effect um of playing the way that Barcelona play, and that again, that has nothing to do with this particular team, it's just the way of style play, but then you have the factors of a slow Lucy Brown's tracking back that could be um quite key in that case <laughs> yeah there's definitely I think uh there's definitely I think some obvious weaknesses in the Barcelona team uh <laughs> Lucy Brown's whom... slander come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean hey her track I mean she's she's gotten lucky yeah I, I think I think that's fair. Um, Abdullah, I'll, I'll come to you to talk about the other, obviously, big Barcelona loss, which was to Lyon in the Champions League final. What? There's been a lot of talk, I guess, about how Lyon just kind of are that bitch as you are. <laughs> like they just like get it done. Um, but. <laughs> From a tactical perspective, rather than just this like mental idea of like <laughs> when Leon hit the Champions League final, they just go become a different team. What do you think it was that Leon managed to do against Barcelona um, that allowed them to be so dominant? I think 
we saw semblances of this uh, in in the Wolfsburg semifinal that Barcelona played, but I think what I think Leon did well and 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 kind of caught, I think almost caught Barcelona off guard was how aggressively and how quickly they pressed them out from the back. Because I think what a lot of teams do is they they give Barcelona way too much respect in terms of playing out from the back, and then they just allow them to play through the first line of press, like from Mape to to whether it's Kira or at the time Patri. The ball, the first ball that goes out, people just let that go. And I think what a lot of teams did was they were so scared of pushing up, thinking that if we were to go in there, we we lose out, we leave so much space in behind, which is a fair assessment. But I think there is a way of doing that because the way Leon pressed in, in in terms of like basically having their front three and pushing up one midfielder into the into the space to say, okay, we're going to force you to either go long or we're going to force you to go wide. We don't want you to go centrally, and I think that's what Wolfsburg to an extent did that. In, in bits in that semi-final. Also, Atletico Madrid did that uh, this past weekend as well, for the first half at least. But obviously yeah. they just couldn't keep it up. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, but it's a matter it's a matter of consistency. Yeah, you're exactly. Like, it's a matter of like, can you do it over a period of like, say, 70, 80 minutes rather than, you know, rather than doing it for five, 10 minutes. If that's a go, so teams know how to do it. You just need to execute it. And I think what, what Leon did well was they capitalized on the chance that they got and they actually scored from it like the okay the Amandine Henri goal was a freak goal like that was that was you you maybe eight times out of ten that doesn't go in it was just one of those two chances that did go in great goal and but they were able to but those were the type of transition moments so high up the pitch that Atlant Lyon were able to do and I think Barcelona I don't think were ready for it in the sense where I think they thought Every team that they play against, whether it's Lyon, whether it's Atletico Madrid, whether it's Wolfsburg, no one is going to give them that sort of... Everyone's going to give them that respect, but maybe they'll do it once or twice and then they'll like drop back when it doesn't work. But Lyon kept going and going and because of the the, the kind of the persistence of playing so high for the first 20-25 minutes and they got a goal or two, suddenly Boston was like, okay, what do we do? We're two goals behind. This team is pressing us and they're not stopping. How do we play out of this first line of pressure? And I think by the time they figure out how to break the first line of, pre- of pressure from from Leon, it was already too late, and they were already at the point where like, okay, we don't know what to do. We're just going to make all these changes, and then we'll see what happens. So I think the element of surprise when it came to that 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 pressing game, I think was was the was the first thing. And I think Barcelona this season have had adjusted to it, um, and so now it's a lot more difficult for teams to do that. Yes. Bayern Munich did it. They won three one. They played on the they played on transition. They played on the counter, and and they managed to do it. And I think that night, Barcelona just didn't look look at it. And I think there is, uh, and I think at that point of the season for me, Barcelona were going through some structural issues that I think weren't getting fixed in the midfield. I think Kira Walsh was still adjusting to that to that system. You know, she was still new. Um, and then you you obviously had the big absence of Alexia, who wasn't able to kind of go in and. And, and play that off the ball runner, which Aitana was doing, but then that removes Aitana from being the one who also drops deep to make a double pivot when you're when you're going out into the into the wide half space. So the whole system got disrupted that they kind of had to learn how to play without Alexia. And that was a moment where they were still adjusting to it. And now Kira's a lot better at playing in the in, in the single pivot. Patri has become a lot better in playing that that Aitana role and Aitana's got better at playing the Alexia role. So it's a different kettle of fish now, and I don't know what the answer is to beat Barcelona right now. But I think the element of surprise, the high pressing game, and being able to do it consistently at at Leon's high level, I think was was probably the reason why they were able to beat Barcelona last year. I just don't think that. I think 
you're going to have to have a mixture of that and probably the best man-marking game of your entire career if you want to beat Barcelona now because they've learned from that. They've made adjustments and they're just they're just better. Yeah, I think I definitely think against Barcelona, if you don't take your chances, then you're fucked. And like my my classic line is that even in the Champions League final where Chelsea got battered like there's a different world where if Chelsea take like even one of their chances that they had in the first 15 minutes who knows potentially still lose but you just can't like let two or three chances uh disappear from you um like you have to be totally totally precise uh, Alex I guess just from from your perspective how do you think the the Leon loss ha- has had a lasting impact on Barcelona do you think they feel over it does it help that Leon on in the Champions League this season anymore thanks to us <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's it's one of those to well for starters I think a a Barcelona Leon match at Camp Nou in the Champions League is probably a dream match for a lot of these players because of revenge <laughs> um I think that that game would have meant so much to a lot of these players but then you look at the flip side and you're like Leon are out, are out of the Champions League you know one of our, our biggest weaknesses in the in the tournament essentially are out and we don't have to worry about them anymore um so you look at it like the personal side I think a lot of players would have really enjoyed playing Leon at Camp Nou but at the same time it's a bit of relief for a lot of them um I think for fans as well. I think for everyone. I think for any 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 fan of any team, the fact that Leon are out of the Champions League is a joy, essentially. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Barcelona have... And, and you saw it after that that first big loss against Leon in the Champions League final, you know, for the, the time that Barcelona actually won the Champions League, a lot of them quoted that game as being kind of the turning point. Um, and you kind of, you had to respect that because it was... It was a turning point much further than the players. It was a turning point in the club. It was a turning point in the staff, in the coaches and the players. And they and they really took up the level from that. They learned a lot from that. And I think from this, as Abdullah mentioned, you know, not every team is going to give them a respect that a lot of the teams do. And I think now, I think it was a big shock for them mentally, I think, that they were unable to do anything in that final. And you don't see Barcelona in that position quite a lot. And I think for them mentally, I think that was probably a big learning curve because they had never been, they haven't been put in that position in quite a while now, um, in that position of absolute shock. Um, I mean, they did lose against Wolfsburg, and again, they were so far ahead that at the same time, they could let themselves kind of have that rest. Um, they lost against Bayern Munich. That is more of a of a learning than a loss. Let's put it that way. But I think that loss against Leon in the final of the Champions League would have been a bit more embarrassing for them in the sense that they have never felt that stuck. And you saw it in the last, you know, they were panicking because they didn't really know what to do with with the emotions of of feeling that stuck in a football game that essentially is, you know, their best asset of football tactics, of football intelligence, and they were absolutely stunned by it. And and to be honest, it was against a team that doesn't have that level of, of football intelligence. Um when you look at the way that Leon played and, and the pressing, it was very, it was very, it was brute. It was brute football that works. And I'm not saying that's like good or bad football. It was just the, the two style of, of plays, I think would have pissed off Barcelona a bit more in the way that the game went along. And it wasn't, you know, pretty football to be played. Um, 
So I think from that, I think, yeah, I think Barcelona have grown quite a lot. I think for them is more of a of a mental um, warning of what could happen if they don't get their shit together, essentially. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it just shows, though, that there are these things happen. I don't think many people went into the, that final thinking that not and not necessarily that Barcelona wouldn't lose, but that they would lose in the way that they did. Um, and I guess it kind of shows that, that every team is vulnerable. But let's take another quick ad break here. And when we come back, we will talk a bit about how Chelsea figure into all of this. So as much as we have spoken about Barcelona having psychic damage from losing Champions League finals, I think it's safe to say that Chelsea's is probably bigger and they have to face the team <laughs> who they lost their Champions League final to, whereas Barcelona do not. Um, Abdullah, how much do you think Chelsea will be affected by facing a Barcelona team which will look pretty similar to the one on both sides, both teams, I think, will look pretty similar. Um, even with that beautiful resurgence of Jess Carter and Neve Charles, uh, <laughs> to things the one you wouldn't that have said literally <laughs> things you would not have said at half time three years ago. Um, two years ago, god, time goes fast. Yes, Abdullah, talk to me about Chelsea's mentality. <laughs> I, I was about to say Neve Charles having uh, having flashbacks to to that night two years ago, you know. But luckily, there's no Nicky Martins this time, so she she probably you know respite in there. But you know, uh, Graham Hansen and Jesse are uh, and Mariona are uh, you know worthy worthy replacements for for that position. Um, I think Chelsea will be Chelsea will be worried. I think I think they still haven't solved the um, the fullback issue properly. I still think there are some issues there. Um, and I think that's ultimately where I think Barcelona are going to try and take advantage again. I think I think I think Chelsea in midfield are I want to say better, slightly, slightly better than they were two years ago, in in the sense of Aaron's been playing that position now for two years more than she did, you know, as she was off the bench she was came off the bench and she had a really good performance off the bench and you know, I remember, you know, calling out for where is Erin Cuthbert needs to play, needs to play. And now she's been playing in that position for two years. And I think that's that's a huge, that's a bonus. Um, Leupold has been there for a couple of years, another, another you know, really class player. So, um, but obviously nothing compared to Barcelona in, in that sense. But I think they're okay there. I just, I still think that Chelsea will be worried about generating chances and then being able to limit chances, which is, I know it's the obvious, it's like those are the two parts of, of football that you have generating and keeping out chances but like um it comes down to it comes down to that it comes down to being that obvious in terms of uh in terms of now yeah from 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 the wide areas Chelsea are the same there's a resurgence but I think the Barcelona's wingers are just going to be a lot more um I think they're going to be a lot more They'll probably be like, "Yep, this is this is better for us now. We can, you know, we we know we can we can get the better of them there." I think I think in the middle, I don't even know. I think everywhere I look at, I'm trying to figure out where can I say that Chelsea are going to be do better. I just can't, I can't see it. Like the only way I can see Chelsea doing, is I can see Alex smiling there. Like I know, but like the only place I can see Chelsea doing really well is that they can generate a chance. That front three can cause issues. I know that the front three and on in transition, Sam Kerr, Guru Wright, and, and probably Lauren James, if not maybe even Canner, we'll get into it later, maybe Canner as well. Um, I think if you give them the platform to give them the chances, they can cause this Barcelona team issues. And if it goes back to um, 
the Lucy Bronze rant that Alex had just a few minutes ago, it's Lucy Bronze. Like if Lucy Bronze is, if you can get Lucy Bronze up the pitch and she makes this marauding inward run into midfield and kind of plays in that half space and you can win the counter over there and get it to Guru and get her to run in behind, similar to what Guru did to Ellie Carpenter in that, in that first leg and, uh, against Leon, then there's a chance to be able to create something off the left. And then you back Samka with her movement against Mapit Leon and, and, and Irina Paradis and in, in, in the box and, and possibly get a goal. And yeah, we know Samka's conversion rate isn't the best, you know, but you give her three or four chances, she will take at least one of them, if, if not, if not two. So that's probably the only shining light I can give Chelsea. But from a defensive point of view, it's a, it's, it's a worry. Yeah, Alex, from the attacking point of view, is that what we you think we're looking at for Chelsea here? You know, they're not afraid to play long balls. They have players who are happy to, to run in behind, even if you're not looking to put balls into the channels, like Sam Kerr will just run onto a long ball. Lauren James, obviously, we know what she can do in terms of running into space. Is that Chelsea's best option? Just uh, because... It feels like that's a great way of exploiting the space that is there, but that almost goes against what we've said about, you know, actually maybe the best way to get a Barcelona is to press them really hard. It feels like the long ball thing seems attractive, but then that kind of invites Chelsea to sit back more, which doesn't feel like the best thing to do. It's it's a complicated one, isn't it? Because the first thing that comes to my mind is that Lauren James, Sam Kurgle, um, when Lauren James threw it quite high and... Sam Kerr brilliantly brought the ball down in the box, finished it. Um, and then you have the Sam Kerr goal against Arsenal, um, a log ball into the box, Sam Kerr beating both defenders. And essentially you have, you know, you know about it as Mappy Leon could, you know, arguably be seen as some of the best centre-back pairings in the world. But at the same time, I think they can be beat quite easily. Um, when you look at the overall defensive level of Barcelona, it's actually quite low. And that's, hard to say because they've only conceded five goals in the league for example um but they did concede against Bayern Munich quite a bit and I think that was a defensive disorganization and again we when we talk about you know Aaron Cuthbert in the midfield for example Aaron Cuthbert is one of the best players at cutting off play uh opposition getting the ball back and Aaron Cuthbert gets the ball back distributes to one of you know Guru Sam Lauren James up top they're going to explore that space 1v1, you know, a Sam Kerr versus Irene Paredes. I would have to say that Sam Kerr is going to win that one. And I think Sam Kerr against Matt Bulleon, I think in the air, um, I think Sam Kerr can easily get over both of these two players because we know that aerial duels in Barcelona is essentially one of their biggest weaknesses over the last few years. And you see that quite often. And you see that's one of Sam Kerr's biggest um, strengths. So when you look at that, the opposite of long, that possibility of long balls, um, I think Sam Kerr in particular can get the better of both center backs, but at the same time, how often are you going to be able to do that against Barcelona? I think Barcelona and especially Jonathan, I think Jonathan is a smart enough manager to be able to correct that in game quite easily. Um, I think when you look at, I think that that has to be talked about a bit more of the way that Jonathan um corrects things mid match. Uh, when it, we were talked about it briefly, you know, Atletico Madrid in the first half, Barcelona only finished the first half 1-0. Um, Atletico Madrid were pressing quite high. They were disrupting play. Uh, Barcelona were getting forward, but essentially Atletico Madrid were doing really well to, to keep that out. Went back into the halftime, scored three goals in the second half. It was a completely different game. So I think Jonathan is, is quite good at kind of correcting that, whereas Emma Hayes is not. So 
I think as well, um, whatever Chelsea get the advantage of in Barcelona, whether it be long balls, whether it be creating the space out on the wing, I think that's going to be their plan A. And once Barcelona figure that out, I think that's where Chelsea are going to get stuck. Yeah, that's my biggest concern, I think, about the fact that this game's two two legs. I think that's why I find it really hard to see uh, Chelsea getting the better uh, over the two games because even if it, in a first leg game, let's say Ada's goal in the final is like the blueprint because I feel like that was a very Chelsea goal to score, um, running off running off Leon's shoulders head in. Um, even if you do that, how... How long, you know, does it take Barcelona to figure it out? It's not like they only have in-game options. They have the, the what, six days between, five days between until the second leg, um, which would allow them to, to figure it out. I guess just the other thing, I guess what follows on from that as well is um, whilst we're talking to you, Alex, the, the Camp Nou atmosphere, and I know this is kind of like a first leg preview, but we probably won't like preview the second leg specifically because of timings and blah, 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 and we'll obviously have a match review, but that's the bit that follows on, which is like the impact of Chelsea having to go to this amazing ground, which will sell a lot of tickets, but probably not be as full as it was last year by the sounds of things. Um, how do you think... Barcelona thrive off of that energy and do you think it's feasible for a team to kind of rise to that energy themselves because actually of all the teams we've seen play at Camp Nou Chelsea are probably the most experienced in terms of having played in front of crowds like that on a regular basis um, even if the Camp Nou atmosphere is you know very genuinely a very very special thing yeah it's, I mean, when you look at the record that Barcelona have at Camp Nou, I think it's, what, 18, 19 matches, consecutive matches won at Camp Nou. Um, I think I think the reason why it's such a special atmosphere, because you have, you know, you have all these teams getting used to, you know, Arsenal are playing at the Emirates, you know, they feel quite comfortable at the Emirates by this point in, in their careers, you know, Chelsea aren't comfortable at Sanford Bridge in the sense of of how many plays plays how many games they've played there overall um you have Leon Grupama stadium is quite they're comfortable you have PSG who's private appearances you know that atmosphere is quite special as well but I think the difference with the special thing about Camp Nou is is the fans I think Barcelona fans when you look at it you know we talk about it quite a lot the club as a whole you know everyone's a Barcelona fan it's and that has to do not specifically with the men's team with the women's teams with football even you know you like you're a fan of the club you know different you know basketball hockey uh, volleyball you know handball it's you're a fan of the club so I think that's what creates the atmosphere to be quite special because everyone's there to support the club um, and you don't get that feeling in a lot of other places and that's you know and that's not even beginning to explain of how historic Camp Nou is you know, period that like you don't need any more explanation to how special Camp Nou is. Um, but I think Barcelona do feed off of that quite well. But I think it's also a sense of pressure, you know, not a bad sense of pressure, but you know, you have these people coming out to support you and you want to perform at a level that they would be happy with. And I think that's another thing, um, just in the book that we read of kind of how Barcelona fans keep that pressure uh, to the teams because there's a certain standard that Barcelona needs to keep up. Um, so you have that element of it as well that the Barcelona players want to perform at a certain level to keep their fans happy because that's just the way it is. 
at the club. Um, but then again, you know, the, the music, um, the drums that every time almost explode in my ears because I'm sat right next to them. Um, the chants that go, I think the difference, I think the biggest difference is that usually you have a little corner with ultras and that does happen at Barcelona, but the entire stadium sings and you don't get that often in any other club, in any other stadium. You know, it's usually just that little corner, but everyone in the stadium, when you when you play that song that says, um, if you're not jumping, uh, was it, um, how would I translate that? Uh, Real Madrid doesn't jump here, basically. something. It would be kind of the rough translation of that. And the entire stadium will get up and start jumping. You know, you sing the anthem, the entire stadium will start singing the anthem. So I think the atmosphere is quite special on that bit. I think Barcelona thrives off of that. I think they're proud to play there. And I think that that kind of pushes them extra. And they say it all the time, you know, the 12th player is always going to be there. And I think that gives them extra motivation. And it's quite hard to to come from England, especially. Um, whereas England, you know, you have bigger, you know, double, triple the amount of crowds that you have in Spain. But I think that atmosphere of of supporting a club in the way that Barcelona does is quite special. And I don't think Chelsea have experienced that necessarily. And I think Barcelona is quite comfortable with that now. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be a, an interesting way to see how Chelsea reacts playing in, in that stadium. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very special game. And I, I just like, I'm delighted that we're going to like, whatever happens, I'm really delighted that us as a club and, and the team and the girls are going to get to play there because I think it should be an amazing night. All right, let's quickly just finish off with some predictions. Um, I feel like all of us kind of think Barcelona are going to win. So I don't know how deep <laughs> to go into the predictions on. Um, mm. Does anyone have any kind of different prediction in terms of what might actually happen? I'll open the floor. I. I guess the, the debate could be how Barcelona do in Stamford Bridge. Yeah. 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 I guess the, I think the first leg would be kind of the biggest debate. I think second leg is quite obvious that Barcelona would kind of go through no matter what the result is in the first leg. Um, I think Chelsea could potentially hold off a draw if Barcelona don't score enough. But I think the second leg is just going to be quite, um, I think we're all in agreement that the second leg is kind of done and dusted. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. I could see a draw at Stamford Bridge. And I think just the I think the key for Chelsea will be is to stay in the game. Like that has to be the focus because okay, even though Barcelona will have a huge home advantage for the second leg, you still just make it a 90 minute one like 90 minute 120 minute match potentially, obviously. But you know, yeah. it becomes one game if you stay in it. Um, Abdullah, do you kind of feel the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I feel the same way. I think, I think the. I mean, if 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 it was the other way around, then you know, I think I think the the tie is over before it even begins. But at least now there's a minor chance that Chelsea can still try and go and get a result. Um, but yeah, I think overall, Barcelona goes through. Maybe my only predictions come in and probably the, the starting lineup, but that, that's pretty. I mean, that's as far as I can go in terms of predictions, rather than the overall <laughs> tie itself. Well, let's continue to manifest, Chelsea fans. Why not feel confident? Why not us, as the boys always say, we've done it. Chelsea clubs have done it before. <laughs> they can do it again. And there's nothing to lose from being positive. So, Chelsea do play face Barcelona on Saturday, 12.30 UK time at Stamford Bridge. Get yourself down there if you are available and around in the area before the rematch on Thursday. We'll be back with you 
with a match review after that first leg. Big thanks to Alex for coming on and chatting to us about Barcelona. Much appreciated as always. Abdul and I will be back with you at the weekend. Until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.